0: And now, here's the episode. All right, here's a moment you can throw your hand in the air if it applies to you. Anybody remember the story of Icarus from Greek mythology? Go ahead, don't be shy. Quite a few of you, not, not all of us. All right, it's a really good story. Some of these, some of these ancient Greek myths, and they are myths, um, some of them are, are kind of whatever, and some of them are really helpful and insightful the story of Icarus is a really, really helpful one. So here, here's the story. I'll summarize it uh, for you. Um, Icarus is imprisoned on an island. And he's there with his father, Daedalus. And there's no way off of the island except to fly out. Um, but they have a fundamental problem with that, which is that they were, they're just humans and they can't fly. They don't have wings and they cannot fly. And so they were stuck. But it turns out Daedalus, again, Icarus' father, was a really great inventor, like brilliant and profound. And what he did is he made these incredible wings for himself and for his son Icarus out of like reeds and wax and feathers and um, designed so that they would be able to, of their own strength, fly off to their freedom. And so they, they were fitted onto these things and they're about to take off. And before they do, Daedalus, looks to his son, Icarus, and he says, listen to me now, when we're out there and we're flying over the seas, don't fly too high. If you fly too high, uh, that's the arena of the gods. We don't belong up there. And then also, if you fly too high, then the sun, the heat from the sun will melt the wax and your feathers will fall off and you will plunge to your death. Son, listen to me, don't Fly too high, just follow me. Those are the instructions. Now, when um, Icarus and Daedalus took off, and their wings actually worked, Icarus got caught up in the joy of all of that. He was he he was stunned, and he was sort of inebriated with his newfound power to to fly. And in the process, he was filled with pride. And he started to feel like one of the gods, like maybe he did belong up there. And he flew too high and the sun melted the wax and the feathers fell from his wings and he plunged to his death. So the story of Icarus has been a cautionary tale for thousands of years. It's a really good one. Don't be drunk with power. Don't let a little bit of accomplishment make you think that you're one of the gods. No, no. Now here's the deal, God has asked us Christians, God has asked us to fly and he's given us wings, he's given us wings. Here's what I mean by that. Um, We've got stuff to do that God said, I want you to go do these things, Um, but there's like a whole bunch of things on that list that we have absolutely no capacity to do on our own. Unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like any honest reading of the Bible makes that just patently obvious. God empowers us through the Holy Spirit and if he does it, we cannot begin to do all the stuff that he's told us to do. But he has said, I've given you the Holy Spirit and I'll empower you through the Holy Spirit to do those things. And he talks about how we are then to seek to access that power. But here's the thing. Most people, most Christians don't, really ever seek to access that power. Which is strange, you know, because like, people really like power. And interestingly, a good number of people, a good number of Christians, are highly suspicious of anyone who would even try to access that power. Now why would that be? Um, We've already addressed uh, one reason, and I, I think this is the main reason. This is number one on the list, and so we're going to keep coming back to it. We'll reference it here now to remind you. The number one reason is, is trust. The number one reason is trust. Let's go back to our story, Daedalus and, and Icarus. Um, the thing is, they were locked away in a tower with their fancy wings, um, and they had to leap from the tower that they were in and just hope that their brand new untested wings would work perfectly on the first attempt. Now, try to imagine, I think we actually have an image to help you imagine it. Imagine Icarus standing there on the edge of the tower thinking, my dad's a a really good inventor, he's really good. According to legends, he's the greatest even. I'm still betting he swallowed pretty hard before he left off of that tower. Don't don't you think? Here's the key. He had to trust in the greatness and in the goodness of his father. He had to trust that his father was great, truly great, to perform the miracle of flight on the first attempt. He has to be truly great to do that, if not kersplat, you know, feathers and all that. And he also had to trust that his father was genuinely good. That this wasn't a trick. That his father wasn't setting him up. That what his father has planned for him is truly and genuinely good. He had to believe in the greatness and the goodness of his father. You guys maybe remember this prayer that we would say, some of you possibly, surely it wasn't just me. As we were kids, as we blessed our food before we ate, we would say, God is great. God is good. Do you know it? Let us thank him for our food by his hands we all are fed. Thank you for our daily bread. Amen. So sort of trailed off there, but that's okay. That, that opening phrase, God is great, God is good, that's kind of everything. Do you believe that your God is great? As in he's actually capable of empowering you in the ways that he says clearly in scripture that he will. And do you believe that he is good? which is to say he's not setting you up. When he says, seek these things, the gifts that he has for you then are good gifts and not bad. They're not snakes. They're not scorpions. Going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Here's the thing. A lot, and I mean a whole lot of Christians, have decided to just keep their wings in storage and just not put them to use. And the first reason we do that is we don't trust the inventor. We either don't trust that he's great or we don't trust that he's good or, or both. Now, there's a second major reason that many of us, I think, are hesitant to seek the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, and it, and it makes sense. I think it's because we have seen too many Icaruses. Sorry, I- Icarai, maybe? Too many, too many Icarus types. We've seen that story too many times. We've seen people get a little bit of power, be overcome with that, be excessively drawn to that, and then fly too high. Here's what I mean. And unfortunately, you could all tell stories probably, but we've seen people use their ministries for personal gain. We've seen time and time people become filled and overcome with pride. And then acting as if the power of God in their lives somehow made them some kind of a God. We've seen God's power or even even just the promise or the idea of God's power used to abuse and manipulate people. It's been made into like a cheap sideshow routine in order to draw a crowd and it's gross. It's repulsive. It's shameful. It's ridiculous. We hate that. We've seen people fly too high. We have seen them all too often come crashing down. And collectively, I think many of us have said, all right, lesson learned. Message received. Don't fly too high. It's a good lesson. It's true. But here's the thing. There's a a really important part of the story of Icarus. If you've heard it, if you've heard it many times, you've never heard this part because it always gets left out. It always gets left out. Daedalus actually had two warnings for Icarus. Not just one. Don't fly too high or the wax will melt and the feathers will fall. Okay, that was actually the second rule. The first rule, the one we'd never hear about, that rule was, listen to me now, (laughs) said Daedalus. Don't fly too low. Don't fly too low. If you fly too low, the moisture from the sea will bog down your wings. Your wings will become too heavy and you will fall to your death. Don't fly too low. Don't fly too high. Just follow me. So, for what it's worth, I think at our church, I love you so much. Um, We're like way, way more likely uh, to break the first rule. The the don't fly too low rule. We're way more likely to fall for that one. The one that no one ever talks about. Lots of people in this church. I don't think there's a single person in this church I'm concerned about them flying too high. I think there are hundreds and hundreds of us. I think we might be flying too low. We're a pretty humble crew. I love this about our church. It's a huge part of why I like this place so much. There's a it's, it's in the air, man. There's a humility. There's a humble vibe around here. I love it. And I think as a, you know, as a rule, we're all just pretty disgusted by the showy, prideful, fly-too-high types. We just know, Okay? And we will avoid that at all costs and that's good. That's good. I like that about us. But Maryville Vineyard, do not forget, God has asked us to fly. He has commanded us to do work here on this earth. And as I said before, there are so many things on the list of things he's told us to do that we cannot possibly do within our own power. We cannot Dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit because we're put off by people who do not seek God's power with humility. We can't do that. We can't make. It. Don't make the whole baby bathwater mistake. Don't do it. Look at me. Do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. I looked over at a bunch of kids in the youth. They're like that expression means nothing to me. And you're so old. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know how to explain. It. I have time. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Here's me. Do not reject the Holy Spirit because of prideful people. Instead, seek the Holy Spirit with humility. That's the counter. The counter. The counter is not avoidance. The counter is not. Some people fly too high when they experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the wrong conclusion. The counter through the pride, is to seek the Holy Spirit as we are commanded to do and to do so with humility. I don't do this often, but I'm going to ask for it. Amen? I was strong. I should ask more often. <clears throat> Maybe you don't have to make me ask for it. Anyway, God has asked us to be bold. He has asked us to proclaim the gospel. He has asked us to heal the sick. He has asked us to deliver the captive. He has asked us to break strongholds he has asked us to stand firm before our enemies we can't do any of those things without his power period consider the promises of the bible so acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you now, in the next chapter, chapter 2, that's exactly what happens. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk about it moving forward as well. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and empowered people. That's what he's talking about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, look, there's a lot of conversation out there about what spiritual gifts are and how they work, and what's the difference between that one and that one, and is this all... Look. At the very heart of it, at the throbbing center of this deal, is what we just read. This is about more people finding life with Jesus. Okay, And the other stuff, and how we understand spiritual gifts, these things are really important. Those conversations really matter, but don't lose the plot. The empowering presence of the Holy Spirit has been promised to you so that you can help more people find life with Jesus. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's plenty clear. Dear, what that also implies, which is that we don't have everything we need to live a godly life without his divine power. It's only through that divine power that we have what we need. God's method is to ask us to do more then we are able to do, and then as we obey, empower us to do those things. Guys, it's not an, I don't think it's an oversimplification to say this. That's like the plan. It's the whole plan. He asks us to do more than we can on our own. We obey, and then he empowers us to do those things. It's simple. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's simple. You follow him, and he'll empower you. And the instructions that were given to Icarus are the same that are given to us. Don't fly too high. Don't fly too low. Just follow him. The Apostle Paul had just this uncanny ability to do this and to hold these tensions and balance. And if you read the ministry, and, and and particularly in the book of Acts, you can see this. He he soared. Man, he flew on the wings of the Holy Spirit. He flew, but never too high. and And definitely not too low either. He just... He just followed. So I'm going to read you a few verses from him, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. My message, Paul's message, my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied, that's an important word, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. We, by default, rely on our own abilities, our own knowledge, our own understanding, our own capacity. He goes, yeah, not the deal. You rely on the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I love this. Paul said, look, I have decided to be especially unimpressive when I teach. Just in case, just in case, you might wrongly conclude that this thing is about some guy giving a speech. He's very clear. He's like, it's not the power of God that makes this ministry go, Paul says. It's not my words I said that wrong. It is the power of God that makes this ministry go. It is not my words. This little uh, accidental heresy there, bringing it back, pulling it back in. By the power of God, not by the words. Guys, it just as an aside here, um, if, if you enjoy the sermons at our church, that's great. If you find them helpful, that's really great. If you're able to stay awake, I have a whole range of goals. Um, If you're able to stay awake, that's great too. If you really, really like them, maybe a couple of you really like, that's great. That's great. But hear me, do not miss the plot. Don't miss the big picture. This is about so much more than words. This is about so much more than me or somebody else standing up and giving a speech It's about so much more than that. What God has done through the life of this church and is doing and what he has in store for us is going to be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. Not some guy or some gal up front saying fancy words. That's not the point And for so many people, it becomes the point, you know, we're looking for a church, and where do we want to land, and what's the right place for us? And all too often, it's best sermon wins, best band wins, best kids ministry wins, and we try to do our best at all those things. Not the point. We need to find a place, hopefully you have, find a place where we will be spurred on to be fueled through our obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might go and do great things, not come and watch a guy talk. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 20 says this, Paul, real clear, same chapter, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. So if someone were to survey your life and and describe how you're living your life, would they say they're relying on their own power, or they are relying and living by God's power. This isn't about words. Guys, you are made to fly. To fly. It's not about lip service. The kingdom of God is about living by God's power. And that's what Paul said. I rely on the power of God, and it's always there for me. And yet, here's the counterbalance. Now in 2 Corinthians, he says this, still chapter 4, but in another book of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, he says this, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. He's saying, guys, we're just busted, cheap, fragile jars. There's nothing special about us, but within us is this great treasure. And the power of God works through us, not from ourselves. Paul was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. He never thought the power was his own. He realized, I'm just a vessel and sort of a cheap, fragile one at that. In other words, very important, in other words, he didn't fly too high. He didn't fly too high. He didn't make it about him. And yet, he always had enough faith to say yes, to move forward, to trust, say yes to doing God's will, believing that God would bring the power that he didn't have on his own whenever it was needed. In other words, he didn't fly too low either. If you read the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, what you'll see is that the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, they were just they were radically empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like amazing stuff, guys. It's a page turner. If you haven't read Acts, it's real good, okay? And there's amazing stuff that's going on. Like incredible demonstrations, signs and wonders. Handkerchief and shadow healings for crying out loud. And if you don't know what that is, then look it up. It's great. Amazing the power that they had. And we tend to think, man, if God used me like that, I'd do all that stuff too. That'd be awesome. I'd do that too. But here's the big secret, y'all. People don't do things because they're empowered. They're empowered because they do things. People don't do things because they're empowered. Oh, I'm infused with power. Let's go. Nope. Little old me going to say, yes, trust, and obey. I'm going to do things, and then I'm going to be empowered. I, I, I love the story in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus sends out 70 people on this crazy mission. We have time to read it. It's more reading for you to do. <laughs> um, he sends out 70 people on this bonkers mission to go spread the gospel. Go. And it's extreme. He's like giving them instructions, but like every instruction just makes it more extreme and more intense. Do this. They're like, wow, that's okay. And do this. Oh, okay. And so he gives them these wild instructions, and it's extreme. It's intense. And it works. And the 70, they just come rushing back to Jesus after they've done what he asked them to do. And they're just blown away by the whole thing. They're flabbergasted. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, you will not believe it. And they're like, "He's like, actually, I already know it, but go ahead. I will believe it. No, 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 you won't believe it. Oh, my, you. It, it worked. It worked. We're those people now. We did stuff. We have power. And here's the thing. If you read it, it's honestly funny because they're just stunned by the whole thing. And here's, here's what I think is going on. This is in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 9, just before this happened, Jesus had done the same thing, but with the 12, given them the same instructions, sent them on the same kind of mission, and it worked. And now he's saying, okay, now we're going to send 70. Here's the thing. It's, I think they thought, let's manage our expectations. We're not going to do what the 12 did. Those are the capital A apostles. Those are the specials. They were the ones who were handpicked by Jesus. That's probably why sending 70 of us instead of 12 of us. You know, like maybe we can start to do close to the same stuff that they did since there's more of us. And so they managed those expectations and then out they went obeying the Lord and they were blown away because they experienced the power of God just like the 12 did and they were infused with power to do the things that they were told to do and they're saying jesus you won't believe it we had it was like the 12 we had all this power and authority even the demons were subject to us in your name jesus it worked just like you said and jesus is like yeah guys you got it you got it but then you know it's a couple of verses here in verse 19 he says this look i've given you authority Over all the power of the enemy. Think about what that means. Authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions, which is an interesting reference, giving something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I don't have time. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He goes, guys, you're right. This stuff is real. It's real. And you're empowered. You're empowered. You got wings. You can fly. You can actually do this stuff. It's all real. So don't fly too low Look at the next verse But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you <laughs> Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven Like hey hey don't don't get all caught up in the signs and the wonders yeah, It's amazing yeah it's real you can fly you can fly All right But don't lose the plot guys don't fly too high And the message I think is pretty pretty clear you don't have to be jesus you don't have to be one of the 12 you don't even have to be one of the 70 you just going back to the story of icarus you just have to trust enough to leap to obey and when you do not before when you do he'll give you whatever you need and you'll fly just don't fly too high listen to me maryville vineyard Don't fly too low. One more time. We don't do these things because we're empowered. We're empowered because we do things. All right. The band's going to come up. Help us close our time here. We're going to have a little bit of a moment of Selah here to reflect and pray on our own. And then we're going to move into some worship. Sing a few songs. Come to the table of grace. The interesting thing in the Bible, uh, we're told not to quench the Holy Spirit. And that's the same word that's used to talk about putting out a fire. So the Holy Spirit is moving in a, in a fire. It seems ridiculous that why, why would any of us, for any reason, quench the Holy Spirit? And this is one of those questions I have for God, which is like, why would you even let us do that? Why would you give me the capacity to quench the Holy Spirit? I don't want that capacity. I don't want to make that mistake. And yet I think think it's so incredibly common. Well, how is it then that we would quench? We wouldn't stomp out a spot fire if we saw it and knew it was the Lord. How do we quench the Holy? We quench the Holy Spirit by just keeping our wings in storage rather than putting them on and then having the courage to leap. We quench the Holy Spirit when we fly too high. We quench the Holy Spirit when we fly too low. God has asked us to do more than we can do on our own. We have to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't let the prideful people keep you from pursuing the power of the Lord in humility. Holy Spirit, uh, please come now all the more. Make us aware of your presence. Challenge us, Lord, if need be. If we've begun perhaps to lose the plot, if at some point because we didn't want to risk or we didn't want to trust or we didn't want to be prideful if at some point we've decided to put our wings away and just do what you've asked us to do under our own power would you help us to see the lack of trust and faith that that is would you help us to see how self-defeating that is like we just we can't we can't do what you've asked us to do we want to be obedient i ask now lord that a desire Just a burning desire in every person here. A burning desire to trust you, to obey. To trust you enough to go do things. How are we going to heal the sick if we don't pray for the sick? How are we going to spread the gospel if we don't tell people what you have done for us? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How do we overcome if we don't share our testimony? How do we deliver people from oppression if we don't pray for them and seek that deliverance? How do we do what you've asked us to do unless we leap and say yes and do those things? And as we do those things, we will fly. Give us, Lord, in this moment, just this passionate desire to obey you, Lord, no matter what.